Welcome to the Good Theological Thursday podcast, where we have open conversations about theology and culture. My name is James Crockett. And I am Dre Clark, and we are glad to have you join in our conversation today. We hope that this podcast helps you as you think about your life and God and how they fit together. And a good Theological Thursday to all of you. Uh, we are happy to have you uh, back joining in with us. We are season three, episode 21. Um, uh, this has been, Dre, for us, a pretty extended season. Uh, I, but I think uh, coronavirus has kind of done that. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's been been one where we're trying to uh, put out content and um, uh, try to give people something to do. But hopefully uh, some things are starting to loosen up and... And uh, maybe maybe we'll get to have a little more active summers than we've had over the past couple months. Yeah, normally we're um, doing camps and VBSs and all sorts of stuff. But uh, yes, yeah, so we're going to continue on. I'm actually looking, James. So the first season we did 15 episodes. Second season we did 16 episodes. Yeah. And now we're on 21 for season three. So normally we would have yeah. you know had a break for all of our trips, but uh, maybe in July, I don't know, I don't know what you're, what y'all's are, what y'all are planning on doing, but <laughs> July, maybe we'll, yeah. we'll break in and see what's going on if it gets busy. Yeah. Yeah. For those of y'all who don't know, my wife's about to have a baby in July. Um, and so that might be a good time to take a season break yeah. and then, uh, you and then your wife's going to have a baby in August. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. yeah, it's just, that'll be a crazy time. Yeah, I mean the good news is, James, we uh, you know we're not making any profit off these episodes. We're just doing them for for fun and for uh, for people to join in a conversation. So very casual kind of thing. So yeah. we, we can stop and start whenever we want. It's nice. So, but yeah, that's very true. But I've, I enjoy true. our weekly yeah. conversations, James. It's it's a refreshing part of my life. So whether that's anybody right. else yeah. appreciates it or not, I enjoy you. So. <laughs> oh man. There we go. Hey, I, w- uh, I want to apologize right up front. If you're an avid listener, you'll sometimes you'll hear me talk, and I eat breakfast a lot during these podcasts, and so I'm finishing up my muffin right now. So um, if you go back in the other episodes, you can tell like when I'm eating a muffin and trying to talk. It, it happens a whole bunch, and so uh, yeah. just uh, letting you in on a little secret behind the scenes. I'm going to finish this muffin too <laughs> while we talk. But James, yeah, yeah there's a lot going on in culture today. Uh, I woke up. It feels like this week. You know, it's another one of those weeks where. Uh, maybe it's just because of social media, but uh, or maybe it's just because I'm more aware of it. But uh, there seems to be always something crazy going on, at least around Christian culture or things that um, in mm. our culture that Christians should be involved in is another way to say. Um, yeah, yeah. So more, on a more serious note, James, um, you know, we we had I don't know if, I, I found out earlier this week, I think uh, Tuesday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, about the George Floyd incident. Um, mm-hmm. And there's yeah. been and there's been a couple more even since we uh, talked about the Ahmad case back with a day. Um, that's two two podcasts ago, maybe three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and so you know, James, any kind of thoughts? Just here, here it is, an, another kind of case happening again. Any kind of thoughts? How is it striking you reading the news? Um, you know, and based in light of what we've been saying on, on an episode a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, it's just another one of those things that it just reminds you of that there is still injustice in the world that. Um, there is still evil and brokenness. Um, racial tensions are still very real. Uh, you know, you have a situation, a man, uh, George Floyd, who lost his life, should not have lost his life. There was no reason for it. Um, again, for those of y'all who don't know, you know, he was pinned down. A police officer pinned him down uh, with his knee on his neck, put his knee on his neck. And I just, 
I can't see any fathomable, fathomable reason why that was necessary. Um, and yeah, I mean, he basically died from it. And uh, it just, it just, yeah, it just, again, it's this reminder of that, you know, this issue still exists and this brokenness is still there. And it, and it reminds us of, um, again, the need for the gospel and the need for the church yeah. to, when we see situations like this, to speak to number one, um, you know, speak on behalf of those who have who have suffered who are suffering injustice, and and really, I, I would say more so, uh, this speaks to the need of how is the church exemplifying the recon- racial reconciliation that we want to see in, in our culture? Um, because ultimately, the, the culture itself, the world itself, is is broken, and and so the uh, I would argue that the place that has the best chance to experience this is the place of the church because the church is the one uh, created as one new man in Christ built being built into one temple where all peoples are brought together and are made one in Jesus. And so, yeah, I, I just kind of think back and um, yeah. And, and, you know, just uh, that's kind of just the thoughts that come to my mind and it, it breaks my heart. And um, I'm, again, I'm, you know, for those, for our African American brothers and sisters who you know who see a story like that and then they just grieve, there uh, we're grieving right along with you. Um, and yeah, I would call people back to that episode on racial reconciliation with a day. Uh, it was a couple episodes ago. Uh, I would call people back to that to kind of hear more good thoughts on this whole issue. Yeah. And, and I completely agree, James. I mean, it's just exhausting. Just you see all these mm-hmm. things happening in our world, and, and the whole point of this podcast, you know, this just as a reminder. Uh, you know, we're we're not necessarily here to give content. We're here to start conversations. That's that's our goal. Mm. Um, and so, this is a conversation that I can't encourage you more to be a part of right now. Um, talk with mm-hmm. talk with your your families about it. Talk with your friends about it. Be engaged with it. Reach out to your to your friends of color um, and, and check on them about this issue. But this is something that it's a conversation that needs to be happening right now. There needs to be awareness of what's going on. There needs to be justice. And I think that it's our Christian responsibility and our Christian uh, duty to, to make sure we're just engaging in what's happening. Um, we, we can't hide around these things. And uh, it's very, very, like you said, James, yeah. very much a gospel issue. So, yeah, go check out the podcast with a day um, if you want more information on that. And then, James, another thing happened in my news feed this morning. My wife sent me a text. Um, so mm. we got the lead singer of what I call the new Hawk Nelson because they're not the old yeah. Hawk Nelson, the new Hawk Nelson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I didn't really listen to that much, uh, but we had another deconstruction story today that we're going to address um, in our episode. So we're going to get to that a little bit later, um, and we're going to specifically tackle one area of the deconstruction movement that we haven't talked about yet, which is the problem of evil. Yeah. But before we get yeah, to that, yeah. James, let's uh, do our weekly recommendations. So what you got for us today? Yeah, so I'm going to recommend a, a little different book than what I normally recommend. Uh, this is not a book so much about theology, but maybe more on methodology and um, and, and really uh, how the church needs to move forward. And this is a book called Welcoming the Future Church by Jonathan Bacluda. This book came out this year. Um, Jonathan Bacluda is the pastor at, oh, it's like Harvest Hills in Waco. I, I can never remember the name of the church he's pastoring now. Um, but he was the former, what he's known for and where he became known is he was the former um, uh, head of The Porch, uh, which is a huge young adult ministry here in Dallas. 
Uh, they have a couple thousand young adults every week uh, attending this service. And the porch was more than just a service. It was also um, a pretty large ministry. Uh, but yeah, so John McClue was the te- the head teacher of that ministry for many years. And um, it's become a pretty well-known speaker. I've heard him speak a couple times, enjoy him when he speaks. Um, but yeah, this is a book just about uh, challenging churches to think through how they are reaching out to younger adults and uh, things that what are younger adults looking for? What are ways that churches have failed? What are um, what are some things you need to consider um, if your church wants to do a better job of reaching young adults? Uh, I, I have actually a team of young adults in our ministry that we are we're reading through this reading through this book, and we're not trying to necessarily adapt every method, but really for us, it's been more of all right, what are some conceptual type things that we can look at and and examine ourselves and ask ourselves, hey, are we doing this well? So, um, yeah, that's Welcoming the Future Church by Jonathan Pacluda. Awesome. Well, James, I did not listen to a word you just said because the lawnmower people showed up at my house and they and my dogs oh, were nice. outside. So I got them inside and fed them. But I'm sure your book oh, there you go. was really good. <laughs> so I'll go check it out later. Uh, man, that was crazy. I was racing. Uh, so... My book for today, I didn't even miss a beat. My book for the day is one that I, you know, a lot of books, James, we recommend. They're, they're really good books. They're books that I have on my shelf. They're books that I've read. But this is one that I uh, have read a couple times and I refer to a whole bunch. Um, I teach it. Also, it's part of our curriculum, one of my life group curriculums at my church. And so it's called Signature Sins by Michael Mangus. Mm. And this book is just an incredible book about um, you know, the subtitle, Taming Our Wayward Hearts. And so I really recommend this book. It's this idea that everybody has a signature pattern, a sin pattern that you're going to return to. It's about understanding that Mm. pattern, understanding how sin plays out in your life personally. And how do you tame it? How do you deal with it? So great book today. Mm. Um, I I really recommend it. It speaks for itself. But go pick up Signature Sins. Um, You will not regret reading that book. Awesome. Great. Well, Dre, let's go ahead and jump into the the content of our episode. Um, Again, we were kind of taking as a launching pad off into this topic. We are talking about the problem of evil. And uh, what kind of brought this up for us is, yeah, the story you mentioned. So Jonathan Steingard, um, lead singer of the new Hawk Nelson. Again, it's not the Hawk Nelson, Dre, that you and I would listen to back when we were teenagers, um, which I think you and I would both say. It he was, he was in the Hawk Nelson, yeah. if I remember right. I have to look he, was the, yeah, yeah, he, he was the, yeah, he was in that Hawk Nelson, yeah. Yeah, but not, but so not he what, over. what Jason Dunn was kind of the main voice of that, and he was the main main kind of writer. It was it was you know really um, he, he's the founder yeah. of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, so I think it was the story either came out yesterday or this morning. Uh, so Jonathan Steingard, yes, he he did post on Instagram, much like uh, in the past year, uh, like Joshua Harris, an example of someone posting on Instagram that they had left their faith. Uh, um, you know, we talked a while back about Rhett and Link, you know, they, they left their faith a while back, but they posted a podcast series on their deconstruction stories. And so we have another one here, uh, with Jonathan Steigar, another very public figure, um, leaving his faith. And so he, he put a very lengthy Instagram post. You can go read it, uh, to kind of see his story. Um, but, uh, not to get into all of that, um, well, Dre, I do want to maybe ask this, like before we kind of jump into one of his one of his biggest things, 
was the problem of evil. And he had many he had many other things of why he said he left the faith. But one of his biggest things was the problem of evil. But Dre, we, we read his post before coming on here. Uh, what was kind of just something that really stuck out to you um, just reading just just from initially reading what he had to say about his deconstruction story. Yeah, so he, he had, I don't know, seven, eight points um, of kind of of why he was why he no longer believes in God. Um, and I would say a good three or four of them were probably around in some way the problem of evil. I mean, in, all, in, in reality, almost all Christian problems um, surface down or they reduce down to the problem of evil. Um, I think every theological conversation eventually gets there. Um, in some way or another. And so, but yeah, I think explicitly, you know, him talking about um, the, the idea that how can God, I mean, he, he brought up the, how can God command killing or even kill, but also yeah. say it's wrong. The God of the New Testament, Old Testament seemed to be different, very Marcion. Um, there right. was, uh, he, he had issues with Abraham and Isaac's story. Um, you know, the idea of, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, just this idea, how can a loving God um do things that seem unloving, you know, from his perspective. Mm. Um, and, yeah. and that was, that was a lot of, you know, a, a good chunk of his reasons why he was, you know, walking away from the faith. Yeah. And, and one of the things that stuck out to me, and again, I encourage you to go, go ahead and just go read his story uh, if you're a listener. But one of the things that stuck out to me, and I think just saddens me a little bit is he even described um, the Christianity he knew and just the way he was asking questions Um, there's no new questions on there. Um, You know, there's no new objections. I mean, stuff we've heard before, Uh, but some of, I don't know, Dre, I mean, it it just felt very much like I read his story and it just reminds me of not to say that, okay, if he would have been educated better on the scripture, they would have, he would have held to his faith, but I would argue in some ways he would have had a greater chance because I think, there's just many things that are, there are some basic, just mystological, this, some basic, uh, mystological, that's not a word. <laughs> uh, there's some basic theological misunderstandings that ground some of his objections um, that I, you know, and again, I don't know his story. I don't know who he's talking to, um, but I'm just like, yeah, I just, I, I wonder if we as a church are really doing a good job of educating our people about scripture. Um and really dealing with issues like this. Um, and the problem is, I don't know how well we're doing that so that when people come to these questions, they don't really even know how to approach them. And we're not even walking through these questions with people. Um, and so I, I think for me, that's kind of what stuck out and maybe even grieved me the most in reading his story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, James, before, whenever we were talking, you know, we mentioned that that a lot of his responses um, – there's there's ample writing. There's ample um, ample resources that address a lot mm. of his things, and, and yet in his response to these questions, because he brings up very fair questions. I'm not against his points at yeah. all, uh, but right. but there was a very much a lack of at least from my vantage point. There's a lack of of understanding uh, around the issues. Um, you know, so it's one thing to say. I reject it because of, of this argument and here's how I've studied it and here's where I land. It's another thing just yeah. to say from afar, oh, that's that's I reject this because of, of a misunderstanding like what you're saying. And so if he had actually yeah. gone into the arguments and really looked at the options really well and carefully, and maybe he has behind the scenes, it just didn't appear that way. Um, and and, and yeah, I'm not even blaming him. I'm actually blaming 
um, the culture he was he was around that, that has kind of failed him in that sense. Um, mm. But but it would be one thing to say, hey, I've weighed I've weighed this argument and this argument and this one here, and here's the strengths and weaknesses, and and, and, and this is where I've landed. Um, but I didn't I didn't see much evidence of that. So I want to be fair. If that was the case, then then we can I'll, I'll recant mm. what I just said. Uh, but oftentimes, at least in my pastoral experience, that's not the case. People hear some arguments and then they automatically assume becoming judge themselves. Um, and, and that really isn't the problem with evil. That's the main thing is we, we often become the judge ourselves of what good and evil is and um, really operate out of a very shallow worldview and not a very biblical mm-hmm. worldview. And there was um, a mm-hmm. lot of moments where I was just like, man, I just wish that he's an older guy. I was like, man, I wish he would have just reached out to somebody and, and you know, and, and maybe that's part of the problem. You know, he says he was scared to tell people about his story. And once again, uh, don't be scared if if you don't mm. if you don't believe in God that that's not I mean that that's where you're at you know say it to somebody talk to yeah. somebody about it um, I don't get this yeah. secrecy around your beliefs um, it, that's that's a cult that's not that's not a Christianity um, yeah. you know I mean yeah. I mean people all the time that don't believe in God <laughs> so um, but you can't have an authentic conversation if if you're doing that it's actually a form of lying and you're going to get the results of that sin um, or of that mm. secrecy so mm. I, yeah that yeah. stuck out to me a lot. Um, because there's a yeah. lot of lot of good thinking, a lot of good work that's been done for. Th- I mean, this isn't. These are old, old, old questions. Um, yeah. And there's yeah. so much to weigh through um, if, if if people just simply want to want to dive into it um, and then then decide, yeah. then decide. It's faith seeking understanding in that sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Dre, we want to we want to address. Um, uh, one issue, the one issue he brought up uh, that we've been talking about, the problem of evil. Um, now, I say we want to address yeah, all this. its entirety. This Let's a, solve it today, James. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. In the remaining time, we're going to answer the question of the problem of evil. Next uh, 15 course, minutes. Get you, ready. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you know, um, if you've ever had a discussion on this, if you've read about this or at, at all, uh, as a listener, you know that this is, you know, this isn't a short conversation. And in fact, this is an ongoing conversation for centuries, thousands of years, talking about the problem of evil. And and, and to be honest, the problem of evil is one of the, I, I would say, Dre, it's one of the biggest challenges to our faith. Um, and it's, so it's really important. Um, it's really important that we think through this well. And uh, I don't think... I will say this to kind of at the outset, I don't think there's any, I think there are good answers. Mm -hmm. I don't think there are perfect answers to this question because I think when it comes to this issue, there are going, you're going to get to a point thinking through this where there are just some things that to you are not going to make complete sense. Mm -hmm. But I think there are good enough answers that the things that don't make sense um, I think some of those good answers you have uh, can really kind of help you during those times. But um, so, yeah, this is just definitely a start to the conversation. And so we just kind of want to kick it off, address a few issues uh, with this problem of evil or uh, theodicy is the technical term for it. Uh, but Dre, uh, where do you want to start? If you're if you're going to start in a conversation about theodicy um, or the problem of evil, where where do you think we need to start? Yeah, I, I mean. Well, my, 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 that, that's a good question, James. You know, maybe we should talk about these before we did. My, my answer to theodicy <laughs> is a conversation. My answer to theodicy, and maybe this is this is helpful. There's so many ways we could we could attack this conversation because it's been handled in so many ways. And so I think if you mm-hmm. there's so I mean countless approaches to it. Um, 
my preferred approach, this is the saying that I hold to, is that the only theodicy is found, the only correct theodicy is found in eschatology. Um, in that, hmm. in that I am deferring, I, I'm looking at what is Christ doing in the history of redemption, and I believe that that in eschatology, in the last time, in the end of everything, when everything wraps up on this chapter, um, that it will, that that's whenever you'll see complete justice and complete grace, and you'll see this complete yeah. accumulation of God's sovereignty and free will come together in a miraculous way. Um, and so I defer to that, and, and, and understanding what, how things end, if you understand the end of the story, then you can understand yeah. not only the beginning, but you understand all the craziness that happens in between. So whenever we talk about the problem of evil, it's really because we're in the middle of the chapter. Um, you know, you look at any good story, you look at any good book. Um, when you're in the middle of the book, like you're in the middle of the book, it hasn't resolved. You, mm. There are questions. There's unknowns. There's things that the reader doesn't know yet. Um, you know, there's this little phrase in, in some English books, little did he know or little did she know, right? Um, there's there's mm. an author, there's a divine author that knows things that we can't know until we get to the end of the book. Um, yeah. And so that really is my preferred approach to this. Um because whenever we talk about all the things happening in the world, um, I think we just have to have a, a, a macro view of it. Um, because yeah. if we get so caught up in the details, I agree, it, it can be very um, confusing. It can be disorienting. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but but I need you know just like when you use a compass, a compass is based on things much magnetic fields much bigger than the single compass, right? Um, so I need I need mm. to tune my compass to something much bigger if I'm going to try to attack this problem. And and the reality is every worldview deals with this problem as well um and so mm. whether i'm you know the sad thing is is um you know whether jonathan is now you know atheist or he may be agnostic or whatever he is um he, he doesn't escape this problem um it's going to walk yeah. with him no matter what worldview he takes and so for that to be four of yeah. his major reasons or three or four of his major reasonings um i'm like well you still have to deal with them um and that's yeah. that's where the conversation has to go so those are some preliminary thoughts james of how i my, at least my methodology yeah. and my kind of understanding of it um, whenever we start tackling this issue. Um, yeah. yeah. What, 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 where do you start? Where, where are you kind of thinking through with all this? Yeah. Well, a couple comments uh, on what you said. Number one. Um, yeah, you're exactly right. Jonathan Steingard has not solved the problem mm -hmm. by leaving Christianity. Um, in fact, I'm going to argue, I would argue that, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the, one of the reasons I think Christianity is, the way that Christ is the way is it does solve it solves the problem the best way I think it explains and it solves the problem of evil better than any other worldview there is uh, that is my firm belief um, and so but every single worldview atheism has to deal with the problem of evil because even if atheism agnosticism, then your problem is, well, what what even is evil, right? You can't even define evil anymore because what's your what's your foundation for what what even is evil mm -hmm. um and to me that becomes even more problematic but um so yeah he doesn't solve the problem by leaving christianity um he might not be satisfied with christianity's answers uh but he doesn't solve the problem um number two your your approach there i, I want to point out that that's actually very biblical um if you know this and if and if you don't believe me you know, listeners, go read the prophets, right? Go read the Old Testament prophets. Uh, I would many times Isaiah, Jeremiah, all these people. And really a lot of them, when Israel goes into exile and they see the evil, they see the oppression of their people. Daniel, when he's, you know, he, when all these prophets, the minor prophets, when they look at 
the oppression that Judah and Israel faces, God's people face. They, some of their, a lot of writings are about crying out to God and asking God, why is this happening? But then you'll notice many times the answer they'll give is they will look forward to God's reconciliation and redemption of his people. In other words, they're doing what you're talking about, Dre. They're looking at the end of the story to answer the question. Um, this actually even happened a lot of times in Second Temple Judaism with a lot of uh, literature we would call apocalyptic, right? That, you know, a lot of apocalyptic literature is, is trying to answer the question of why is why is Israel suffering? Yeah. Uh, why are the people of God suffering? And what they do is, is a lot of times they look forward to an end where God will vindicate his people. Um, and then the New Testament very much does this. Uh Revelation does this. Paul does this. Um, um, you know, Paul talks about in Romans 8 that the creation groans for its redemption. But Paul is always, and the New Testament authors are looking at the end of the story to answer the question. And they also look at Christ. Um, right, again, I mean, and this is with any issue, but again, centering the problem of evil on Christ. I, I think one of the uh, one of the greatest things for me and the realizations for me with the problem of evil is even if I don't understand all suffering, you know, and, and we tend to look at God and it's like, why would God allow suffering and all this stuff? But God doesn't just sit back and just like watch our suffering from afar. The beautiful truth of the gospel of Christ is that Jesus comes into the world and he participates in our suffering right that he doesn't just sit there and it's like oh well they've suffered right no christ actively god through jesus actively participates in the suffering that's going on in the brokenness that's going on in the world with the death of christ and so um i think that's another kind of major thing again just this draws us back to in all these conversations centering them around where where is the gospel in all of this where is christ in all this and Really, what you find is Christ is at the center of the story. And also, Dre, with eschatology, he's the end of the story, right? He is the one who will bring peace to all things, that all things are under his feet. He is ruler of all things. He brings reconciliation and redemption. And that reconciliation includes evils defeated once and for all, sin and death defeated once and for all. Um, so, yeah, I, I think those two things are really important as we kind of go about this issue. And then there's the apologetic side, um, I guess some more philosophical type things that you could talk through. But I think those are really important things to point out as we go through this conversation. Yeah. And as I'm hearing you talk, James, I, I think you, one thing that I'm reminded of too is we have a tendency as human beings to accentuate the bad in our world. Um, you know, for example, a kid, mm. a kid is, yeah. is um, you know, let's say you give a kid a new gift. Um, that kid is, is probably not going to be thinking about the idea of getting good gifts until you take the good gift away. Then, then it becomes unfair. But no one, so, so, we all, so whenever we talk about what's fair or unfair, we always talk about it in, mm. in a negative world. Um, you took this away from me. Why <sighs> did you take this away? But, but we don't often mm. sit back and consider, well, why did I have it to begin with? And so... I would say a lot of what we think about when we have evil mm. is is really related to the, the negative sides of things. So, so whenever we say, how is this fair? How is this good? How is this loving? Um, we have to, to be fair, we have to ask the question on the opposite end. 
Um, why, why did I have this to begin with? Why did I expand, you know, um, I mean, my wife's a counselor and it's one of the main counseling keys, um, that that's fundamental in a lot of practical counseling is, um, expectations. What did you expect? And when those expectations are unmet, how do you, how do you handle them? Um, and so what, what's our expectations? What, what gives us the right to have anything that we have? What gives us, and so really, I, I think that the problem of evil is enhanced by our, mm. our ingratitude. Um, when I understand that, that I'm completely dependent upon someone else, mm. I understand that I'm completely dependent upon, on God. Um, and then if he chooses to take, if he chooses to, to not allow, or he chooses to, you know, if, if he allows something to, to leave my life, I should ask, well, why did he allow to give it to me in the first place? Um, and, and if I talk about fairness, you know, it, we live in a humanistic mm. world where, where everybody somehow believes that humans are good. Um, but yet we look on the news every day and see evidence that's not there. And I think if we did a little bit of soul searching um, really quickly, we'd realize that we're not good. And so, so a lot of whenever we're talking about good and evil, um, we just have to realize yeah. what, what, what vantage point am I looking at this? What am I, how am I, how am I looking at this problem? And I, and I, I always switch around the other way. Mm. Um, someone says, how could God allow this to happen? Um, I would say, well, there's a hundred things that were good that he allowed to happen before that event that he allowed to happen. Um, even, even in the story of Job, which Job is not a theodicy. Yeah, um, right. it doesn't give us a reason, right? It doesn't give us, it doesn't articulate God's reason, it, but rather you see a guy who is yeah. extremely blessed in a very corrupt world, right? He was not, he's not a perfect guy. Job is not a hero. He's not a good, he's no one in the Bible is, is mm. a good guy. There are no heroes. Um, they're all sinners. They're all wicked. They're all born with depravity. Um, mm. and yet he has an amazing life mm. that none of his, I mean, and, and so, we don't we don't focus on that part of Job's mm. story, do we? You know, we we always focus on the 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 end part of it, and then um, yeah. But we don't we don't focus on on the gifts we have, and I, and I do think a lot of our theodicies, if they're not rooted in gratitude first, it's really unbalanced. And so I do encourage people to think through it that way. Um, what gives you the right to even mm. to have the freedom to express or to think, or you mm. know, um, you, you'll start realizing. I think if you look at the world that way, that yes, there is evil, mm. but there is so much more good. Yeah, I, I think those are all good points. Uh, yeah, it's interesting with Job. Yeah, we can focus on everything he lost, but then you don't focus on the end of the story where God actually restores him even more than what he originally had. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we, it, that's a good point. You know, it's not something I've, I guess it's not an approach I've thought of that much, but yeah, just the simple fact of it's easy to focus on the ne- negative and not focus on. And again, this is uh, this is why I go back to Christ. It's easy to focus on, oh, God allows suffering. Why does God allow this and this? But then not focus on the wonderful, glorious truth that God participated in it. Right? God's not just sitting back and you know allowing suffering in some vindictive way. But God is he is he, he is broken hearted over our brokenness, yeah. and that broken hardness and that love for us causes him to send Christ to also suffer, um, to, to actively participate in that. Um, yeah, I, I think those are really important points. You know, it's interesting, Dre, for me, I would say a lot of people will see, you know, someone like Jonathan Steingard or other people that leave the faith, they see the problem of evil as one of the greatest foils to the Christian faith. I would argue, uh, I think even C.S. Lewis, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Dre, but I think even C.S. Lewis Basically, the problem of evil was what drew him to the Christian mm-hmm. faith. In other words, mm-hmm. 
the problem of evil tells me that I can recognize good and evil in the world. I'm not going to have I'm not going to have the problem of evil if I can't recognize good and evil. So there's something within me that tells me that things aren't right, right? There's something within me that tells me that not all things, you know, that there are good things, but something there's something in there that tells me that this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and the simple truth is, is where does that come from? And I don't, uh, to me, there's no... I've I've never found a good answer for it. It's something I've brought to people who don't believe in God. There's just to me, you know, I I, I read the scriptures. I look at to me the scriptures, God Himself, the, the idea that someone like God, that there is someone who is true, who is good, who defines what is good because He is good in and of Himself. And that he has implanted his image on his creation to recognize good and evil. To me, that makes the most sense of why I could even recognize evil in the first place. If I try to go to another worldview or I try to go – if I take that out, if I take the good God out who is the definition of quote-unquote morality of what is good, then I'm just left with how in the world would I even know this? And um, so to me, in some ways um, – the problem of evil is also – it could be for some people the greatest foil to I'll, – I'll be, I'll be honest. Uh, you know, People would say it's the biggest foil to a good loving God. But I, I would also say it's the proof of a good God. Yeah. It's one of the greatest proofs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which – go ahead. Well, no. and I, I was even going to say – so one, one of the arguments um, that Jonathan had brought up in his, his thing was – um, you know, he, he said something to the lines that he has been taught forgiveness, his whole thing, but no one had to die. And he's talking about PSA, penal substitutionary atonement, um, which is mm. very much a lot of people attacking it and divine child abuse. There's all sorts of things you can go look into. Um, yeah. But but what, James, I think what you're hitting on is um, that we only know these things because God in his character. I mean, we only know what, what morality is because God in his character is moral. Um, and, mm. and yet, and so we say, well, how can God forgive? But I don't have to kill anything to forget. Well, I'd argue that the reason you can forgive is, is because God has done something on a grand scheme. You know, if you have a judge and he just forgave everybody, you would say he's doing his job poorly. Um, mm. and so you might, you can yeah. value forgiveness all day, but at some point he's not operating as a judge. And so, yeah. so if God is this moral thing that, that makes sense, there has to be, um, there has to be a way to this. And so the second that Adam and Eve, um, ate this fruit, right? Uh, the the mm. clock starts because God says, when you the day you eat this, you will die. Dying, you will die dead. You know, is the way you could translate the mm. Hebrew. You you are going to very much die, and yet mm. Adam lives nine hundred years. Um, in in the narrative, yeah. that's not that's not dying. I and mean, he does die. It eventually gets there. But, but you see this thing that God is slow to anger. He's he's quick. Mm. He's compassionate. Um, and, and, mm. and you do get at the cross, you get the accumulation where God says, here is why I can forgive because there is mm. a way of this. And so, um, and we could, there's a whole other arguments against penal substitutionary atonement, all these different things. But the whole, the whole point is, is that, that without that, that this problem of evil, it, it really is, in my opinion, um, in my belief it is best and only satisfied in the gospel narrative, um, in the biblical narrative. Mm. Um, because mm. other religions, I mean, you know, Buddhism, you know, or any kind of pantheistic thing where there's reincarnation, not Buddhism, but Hindu, anything that's reincarnated, right? 
um, they would say there is no evil, that what you're getting is due justice. So if you have a poor life of suffering, it's because you earned it in a past life and we should let you suffer because you're just living out your punishment, mm. right? Um, atheism, mm. what, what, evil is, is a construct, right? It's, it's, it's a battle of the wits. Um, and so it's, it's about survival for, for me and my family or myself. And so, so you, look at, you look at the other answers to it, and I agree that, like with C.S. Lewis, that this actually draws me closer to a loving God uh, because mm. in Christ alone, do I see justice and do I see grace? And once again, I see more grace than I see darkness. Um, but the story yeah. of God, I believe, is one where the, where the shadow proves the sunshine and the sunshine is, is far greater and far brighter and there's far fewer shadows. Um, but I have to learn how to see that way. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that, that's kind of some thoughts. I think you bring up a really good point. It, it, it does. This problem of evil draws me closer to God. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you mentioned Jonathan Steigard's objection of, you know, why I can just forgive why without killing. I, I think, you know, that whole objection there, we treat God in a way we wouldn't even treat human judges, right? Our court systems don't work this way, yeah. right? So in other words, like you and you brought this up, if, if someone comes in is a, you know, has committed a crime and the judge just every time someone came in with the committed crime and just said, you know what, I'm merciful. I'm since I am a merciful and loving judge, I will forgive you of this crime. And he did it every time. We would say that person is a terrible judge not doing his job and he's not a just judge anymore. But we don't treat God that way, right? That whole objection of, well, why can't God just forgive? That's not how we would treat any other just judge on this earth. So to me, I mean, to be honest, that whole objection is is pretty ludicrous yeah. if you really think and, unless, about it. Unless you, like, unless you want to argue, which is what you'd have to do to hold that stance, unless you'd, you'd want to argue that um, – that, uh, well, you know, then everyone should get forgiveness and we don't need any kind of justice at all. And, and things that like happened yeah. in the George Floyd case, like, well, OK, you know, shame on that. We all recognize it's bad. Everyone good. OK. But it's, you know, but no one actually yeah. argues that way. But yet we, we throw that yeah. same argument against God. Well, why can't he just forgive? Um, yeah. And once again, the fact yeah. that he because then you think, OK, that he now gives his son because he has to punish. Right? He, he's, he has to be a God who stands against something. He has to be just judge. Why does Christ get the punishment and not me? And that is where mm. you should say that is completely unjust. It's you know that's where, and that's where I'd say mm. yes, grace is it breaks the system. Um, it's it, yeah. how why does this man get punished instead of me? Right? How can yeah. God is still saying this is wrong? This is against my character, and it is punished. And I'm standing for what is in His character, but yet now I walk free. Mm. That's where I should be appalled. That's where I should say. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, if I was going to leave the Christian faith, I would leave over that principle. Why would God choose yeah. me? Why would God? That that's where the that's where the inconsistencies begin to happen. Um, why do I yeah. get to walk free? But once again, that's where grace comes in. And um, yeah, which I've Dre, I've never heard a story where someone walks walks away from the Christian faith for that reason. Um, and I think the reason is is because when you come to the realization of what happened to Christ, how unjust it was that it happened to him and not to me. That type of grace and love, that's transformative. And that doesn't, that grace and that love and that, that doesn't repulse me from God. That doesn't, that doesn't push me away from God. Actually, it does the opposite. It draws me near to him because I, I do realize this is what God went through. This is how God 
had to do it because this is how much God loved me, loves his creation, that he would allow something like that. And he would send Christ for that to happen to him. Um, and so, yeah, I don't leave faith over this. The greatest act of evil that ever happened was Christ's death. The most there, there has been Christ has been the only innocent, truly innocent human that has ever lived. And the fact that he died in such a brutal way, that's the greatest act of injustice of all time. But the greatest act of injustice of all time actually brought me salvation. And God is able to meet simultaneously then able to be just and loving all the same time. This is where justice, grace, all these things meet at the cross. It's the beautiful story of the gospel. Um, And then Christ is ultimately, quote unquote, justified in his resurrection in his exaltation over all things. Really, we actually see the end of the story is that God does bring justice and that Christ himself is the one who actually rules over all things and is the one who um, is exalted and is glorified. Once again, we're we're deferring to the end of the book um, that Mm. we haven't read yet. That we we know about. Mm. We that that, you know you get glimpses of the end of the book. We we know we know how the story ends in some degree, but at that final day, right? That's when it'll make sense. And so, um, yeah. yeah, so James, I mean, we're running out of time here, but, but really, I mean, it's so one, yeah. we can't tackle this issue, but, but hopefully <laughs> what we presented today was a way of thinking, um, that we're approaching and hopefully you're starting to see some, some, some topics, some starters. Um, and really we've, we've left everybody in a really good place. We've left you saying, if you want to go deeper, you need to look at atonement theory that we start, we kind of moved into atonement theory there. Maybe we'll do an episode on that one day. Mm. Uh, you know, eschatology, yeah. uh, all these mm. things, but, but here's the point that this if you if you follow the conversation if you follow at least the christian worldview you got to be fair to where mm. the worldview goes with this answer and it, and it, it's a lot more satisfactory in my mind um it's a, it's a i think it's the best solution to the problem of evil and i think it's actually even a, a solution that that draws us to redemption and grace um and i don't mm. that other worldviews don't offer that um and and yeah. so it is unique i mean grace is unique to christianity that the, the the story that we have and, and, and what happens on the cross is unique to Christianity, and and, and, uh, and that's where it goes. And so I, I didn't hear that in, in, in some of these deconstruction stories. Um, I'm hearing mm. I'm hearing people using a basis of logic on no grounds or on on, on a whatever worldview, maybe a humanistic worldview, and they're arguing. Um, but you've you've got to go a little bit deeper in your worldviews, and then then if you deny what we just said, right? You you can have, but, but you got to engage in that conversation. That's my whole point. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. people that are thinking about deconstructing, I think even at one point uh, he mentions in his article that a lot of his friends were were dealing with the same things. Well, if you're dealing with this stuff, please reach out. But this is this is where you need to go think. If you're going to assess the Christian worldview, go study atonement, go study eschatology, go study um, some of these things. Go, go even study Joshua 1 through 6 and the conquest and, and connect it in with the story. But whenever we pick and choose verses out and say, oh, look, God commanded this. How can this God be good? And this God looks different than the New Testament. And, you know, we're not mm. we're not reading the story well, and we're not understanding where we are mm. in our place in the story. Um, and mm. we're also uh, we're also uh, from the vantage point of we're so blessed. Um, we're we're mm. I mean, I think God looks down on us and says, "Look at how much I've given you. Look at how much light I've shined upon the earth. Look at how much uh, look at how much goodness and grace exist." Um, and if you focus on that, I think that it, I think it changes some things. And I, I wonder if if the Christian church is has not taught those truths, has not taught the narrative, has yeah. not taught the story as well. Um, and so that's yeah. that's the conversation that I think we should bring into. Any, any final thoughts or closing thoughts, James? 
Yeah, on two fronts. Um, if you're someone who is, um, you find yourself in the position of Jonathan Steingard, where you're thinking through these things, you're trying, you're deconstructing or things like that. I would encourage you. Yeah, again, I don't know his story, but Dre, I'm I'm with you. Reading it, reading his account, I don't know how well researched it really was for him. Um, please, I, I would ask you to not think through this on your own. To, to be in community with other people. Reach out to people who would think through this with you. Reach out to people. It could be your peers, but also reach out to people and it could be through resources. You know, if you're listening, we would encourage you to reach out to us and, you know, think, reach out to people who've thought through these things before um, in a good way. And, and, and please process this in community and, and try to dig deep and look at what are the answers to some of your questions um, and then as, as for believers, uh, who are helping people process through this, you know, a lot of what you heard from us is focusing on the end of the story. And that is the story of the gospel. And, and when you're don't just focus on, there are some philosophical arguments you can give to the problem of evil. Um, but any philosophical argument you give is incomplete without the story of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, make sure you're making your answers answers gospel centered and just make sure you're addressing these issues. I, I would just encourage you to be to be open about these conversations and to talk through these things with people because I believe this is part of our responsibility of making disciples of all people. This is part of our responsibility as being faithful proclaimers of the gospel of Christ. Um, so Dre, uh, I think that will wrap us up today. Um, any other thoughts you want to give? No, no. Yeah. I mean, just acknowledging evil, but acknowledging good and, um, and, and starting to think that way, I think is just a, the main advice. Yeah. Hard stuff, hard stuff. And, and I don't want to diminish, yeah. um, Jonathan's experience or anyone else's experience with this. Um, you know, me, me and yeah. you, James, both we've, we've gone through suffering as well in our lives. And so, um, mm. it, it's not, a, it's not a light issue. We, we don't mean to make light of it, but we do, uh, mean to shine the light on it. And so hopefully we yeah. uh, attempted to start that today. So many more conversations. So, and, and, and we, yeah. we didn't even get in the weeds. And so if you want to go in the weeds, let us know. Um, we'll tackle it later on, but, um, but hopefully it's a good start yeah. and start a conversation with it. So yeah. that's it. James, close us out. All right. Thank you guys for listening again. This is just a start to the conversation. Um, yeah, hopefully this gets you thinking, gets you in dialogue with people around you. Um, and if you want to dialogue more with us about it uh, and you have questions that we didn't tackle today that you want us to tackle um, or you just want to talk through with us, uh, we would encourage you that you can send us a question or you can send us a message. You can do that a couple different ways. You can follow us at Good Theological Thursday. Um, on our Facebook page, that's just search Good Theological Thursday in Facebook. You should find that, find that, like and follow. Um, and then you, or you could also, uh, if you're more private about it, you can email us at goodtheologicalthursday at gmail.com. Uh, if you are a listener of the show and you have not rated or review it, uh, we would really appreciate uh, maybe if you take some of this extra time during your quarantine to give us a rating, write us a review. Um, we would appreciate that. Um, and if you think a friend would benefit from these conversations, we always encourage you to, uh, to show this uh, podcast to a friend. Uh, we're really grateful for all of you who listen and take your time out of, take time out of your week to, to come in and join in with conversation with us. Uh, Dre closes out. Yes. Thanks again for listening and, uh, join us back next week. 
as we jump into another topic. And until then, have a good Theological Thursday. See ya. See ya.